the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And it's Wednesday, December 18th, 2019. Um, nearing the end of the year. Yeah, we're almost there. Oh, we're a week from Christmas. Yeah. Oh I don't know God. why that just occurred to me. Um, I've done no Christmas shopping. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, it's, well, it's been a busy few weeks, and I just kind of like... That's true, yeah. Because I was working so much, I kind of assumed, like, nothing else is happening in the world. Yeah. You wrapped up your uh, week at the castle? I did. I did the ca- week at the castle in the close-up gallery. Uh, long-awaited, much anticipated by zero people. And then, uh, <laughs> That's and not then, true. And then I did the and then I did Magic Bar these past couple days. Oh, uh, yes. And, uh, and and now I'm out and about again. So and, I have um, tickets to see Star Wars tomorrow. Ah. <laughs> That's got some interesting feedback coming already for that. Thing. I've heard some. I've heard mixed reviews. I have heard overwhelmingly positive and overwhelmingly negative things about it. I have uh, tickets Saturday. Uh, sorry, Friday at seven thirty at the Burbank Sixteen. If anyone wants to join me and my friend Amber to see Cats, ah, which I had no idea they they had the audacity to open it on the same weekend as Star Wars. That's insane. Is Cats to me. already coming out. No, it's opening the, the same weekend. Yeah. They picked. They looked at the calendar. They're like, you know what weekend we should open. Right. The end of the like greatest, uh, you know, most epic. Right. Nine. I thought that movie. was coming out on Christmas Day. Probably, but I mean, that's kind of what they. I think even the posters for Star Wars said like Christmas. Right. They're you know. I've never understood the last couple of years. I haven't understood why movies say one date but open a day earlier. I I don't know like, because the, Star Wars says December twentieth. The one on the nineteenth because the one because you're going Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So the one date was always a Friday because it was always like movies open on Friday. Right. And then. Theaters started sneaking a 1201 Thursday night right. showing. And then it started to just be like, oh, we just have them at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Right. And now it's like all day Thursday. Sort of the Black Friday of movie premieres. And now I think there's tickets to Star Wars available tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Like on the. Oh, no, no, for Cats there are. And Cats was at also a December 20th opening. Um, yeah. So oh, is, is there like a Wednesday midnight? 1201 Star Wars that you can see. Maybe? I'm sure, but I'm going on Thursday at like eight. Um, um, I'm I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna like it. I mean, the tweet that I saw about it made me not want to. Genuinely, maybe I, I wasn't like super dying to see it anyway. Uh-huh. But the tweet that I saw made me go like, I don't think I want to see this. Oh really? And the tweet, you know which tweet it was? I don't. It was the one that said if he if J.J. Abrams wanted to be any um, meaner to Ryan Johnson he would have motion smoothed all the video or something. Basically just saying like that this movie is not very charitable to Ryan Johnson's contributions to the, the, uh, uh trilogy. Okay. Um, so that wasn't because I love last Jedi. I think last Jedi is great. Right. Um, and I, anything to me that like undercuts things in last Jedi to me would be like dumb. Oh, I see. So I'm hoping that it doesn't have that kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, so how did the week of the castle go? Um, you know what? Overall, I mean, if I if I can be a little arrogant for one moment, yeah, um, I was really happy with it. Yeah. I think like it was maybe the first time, maybe not ever. I, no, I guess I mean in the six years I've been doing like adult weeks there. Yeah, I think it was really one of the first times where I didn't have any sort of sense of like impending imposter syndrome. You know, uh-huh. I felt like it was a good act. I was happy with it. The show mm-hmm. was good. I deserve to be there. Yeah, you know, I think um, this. T- I think I did this act last time in a. Uh, last year in the cocktail hour close-up um and so but no one goes and so i was i was happy with his act last year as well but nobody goes to see that and so uh Uh it was the the impact of it was pretty low but a lot of people came and saw this and i was really happy with it um and i think that you know uh, this is where it gets kind of 
arrogant on my part, but I'm just going to... But you, you were the best. <laughs> I, don't, I definitely wasn't the best. Um, it's hard to say that when Shudagawa was in the building, but I think the last two times I've been there, I've been in certainly the like you know the upper half of performers mm-hmm. there that week. Yeah. Um, and I feel confident enough in this act that I can say that. Still a lot of things I want to fix and change about it and work, you know, improve upon, but yeah. I was happy with it and I just, you know, came away feeling like I, I wouldn't have been like like I was in Edinburgh. I there was no uh there was no person that would have walked in that wouldn't have like that would have intimidated me. I would have right, like, right. here's what it is. Yeah. This is very me and uh like it or don't, but you know, it wasn't like, oh, no, 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 don't see this until Thursday, I, until I fix it. Right, you know? right, right. I just kind of, I felt good. I, I don't know, I was, I was happy with it. Was Actually, like, um, speaks to a good thing that I heard recently about um, when people promote shows. Um, this, this was about comedy shows, but I'm sure this can apply to magic shows as well. Um, the idea that sometimes you have shows that you're like, well, I'm doing this thing at this uh, variety show. Uh, you don't have to come see it. It's like not a right. thing, right? Whenever you have that feeling... That's like a thing that you shouldn't be doing. Sure. Uh, one of my, the, maybe the best bit of advice I've ever heard on Pete Holmes' podcast, mm. which I cite frequently. Was take this pill and it'll make your brain smarter. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, alpha brain. Yeah. Um, the alpha brain is the, um, the lead from Wicked. Is it what? The, the witch in Wicked is named Alpha Brain. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> that's what that show's about. It's about uh, a pharmaceutical company. No, but he, um, he was talking about like, advice you know anytime he gives advice to sort of like young comedians basically the, the best advice he says he can give is uh if you think you bombed don't tell like don't apologize to the booker like after if you're like doing a set at a club don't be like yeah yeah sorry man i kind of bombed like you know next time he's like they don't fucking know mm-hmm. you know what i mean he's like they might not have been watching they could have been like walking around doing stuff right um so don't like just you know just go thanks man it was great i had a lot of fun i'd love to do it again mm-hmm. uh, and then even to the point where there's an episode that every now and again his wife will be on and she's like oh yeah it took me a couple of years before i could even figure out talking to him like when he thought he did well and didn't at a show because he always just kind of plays it off like he went fine. Oh. Um, and I think that's great advice because now, I mean, you do see magicians all the time and comedians as well. Maybe, uh, for me, it's magicians being like, oh, yeah, it was fine. I, I kind of fucked this thing up, you know, but yeah, well, whatever, yeah. you know, um, and kind of around the people that would have seen it. So now, oh, I, yes, yes. I mean, it's one thing to do sort of to like shop privately. talk to. Like, oh, yeah. yeah oh, it's yeah. one thing to like but, yeah. be honest with yourself after a show. It's another thing to, if Jack Goldfinger, you know, saw a show. Yes, exactly. And one joke didn't land. Be like, oh, I'm so sorry that joke fucking bombed. That usually is so funny. Right. Um, which would never happen to me. All my jokes are perfect. But Yeah. <laughs> and and hit like sledgehammers. Yeah. <laughs> right, of course. And so um Yeah, so that's I think that's the best bit of advice I've gotten from that. It's just kinda like when you're around yeah, just like you said, when you know, don't don't tell people, Oh no, you shouldn't come do it. Just Yeah. I think that is a very similar, uh very similar sentiment. Uh speaking of which, let's connect that to something that I did think after this week. Um which is that uh, I I would like magicians everywhere to stop this. And actually, you do it the least out of the people that we saw, um, me and my friend Ashley. Oh, but I still do this thing. Uh, I don't know that you. I don't know that you do this. Actually, I don't think in this set you did it once. Which is, um, can we? Can magicians please stop doing? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can I guess what this is? Yeah. How many magicians did you see at the castle? Just two? Uh, no, I saw Shoot and I saw Page. You saw Page. So you saw three. Uh, maybe that's it. But then I was also watching some like clips uh, this week, and I was also watching um, some old uh, uh, videos where they they show the performance first, and then they do the explanation, and it even applied for the explanations wow, okay. of these things. Um, one thing. It's a, it's a rhetorical thing. It's a thing in the scripts that people do. That 
Just everybody, please, needs to stop. Oh, we did talk about yeah, this. Yeah, we talked about so it. So I know I think, what this is. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say one other thing. What, kind of what my guess was is maybe the number one thing that Bob Dorian imparted upon us in the junior program. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I don't know if... The, I don't even know if I agree that this is that big of a deal, but mm-hmm. now it's so ingrained in me that I can't unhear it. And that is to never ever say the phrase "you guys" in a magic show. Oh, because, because, because it's not guys; it's men and women. So oh. don't say "you guys." And he told you that in the juniors. Oh yeah, that was like. On, on, I mean, he's had a lot of things. That's very progressive of him. Va- valuable information, but that was like his kind of number one. Ooh, oh, ooh, there's some construction outside. We got a chainsaw going. Um, Let's take a little pause and hopefully, I think they're cutting tile. Uh. Well, this is a good time to talk about my illusion act that I want to do, because that's a lady that I'm cutting in half. And uh, I haven't figured out the restore part. <laughs> Chris has murdered a lot of people. Um, I wonder how many times more that's going to happen. We'll leave it in right. this much, and then we'll so, stop if it... Sorry about this episode, folks. But you know well, what? actually, that actually won't show up that loud. It'll just be this very interesting background noise. Right. Um, um, so the yeah, thing... that was one of his things, is just like, never say you guys, and that... It's if somebody says you guys in a magic show, even yeah. if I don't hate it, I notice it. Yeah, There's yeah, never a time I won't notice it. And one time, I don't remember why. I think last night at Magic Bar, I said it, and it was so weird. It's like I, it was, it was like, whoa, fuck, what, what is up with me that I just said that? Mm. But back to you, what your thing that you hate when people do? Well, this is the thing, and it happens in beats throughout scripts and magic constantly, which is you do a trick, and you have this built-in. Um, and I find the three of hearts and nobody seems to care that and the, well, that was 30 years of my life thing. Right. Um, I just, I, I behest behoove. It behooves me. <laughs> Please everybody stop doing, I am begging everyone. Yeah. That to me is on a, and is on a grand list of things that magicians do and say, because magicians do and say them, you know what I mean? I just think this is a pervasive needy, gross thing that contributes to the feeling of magicians being like creeps that want your validation. Right. It, it's a thing that I, it, no matter how, uh, I've seen it at every level of like, it's a thing that I would expect like me to do or like someone coming out of my like level one magic castle class to do, but to seeing like the like, top level experts doing this, um, it feels like self deprecating in a way that's like, it's either self-deprecating or it's hostile to the audience. Right. Because it also contributes to a feeling of like, oh, I'm sorry, th- my reaction isn't good enough for you? Like, Which, which comedian did I hear say this? I, I, I want to say Tom Segura, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, it's, it's certainly a sentiment I've heard comedians express. I, I don't know if it's him. But it's basically like the comedian that... that um, oh, I think yeah, it was Tom Segura. He, he would, he, I think he said on like Pete Holmes, he goes that I, he would end sets like by... Every now and again, he would say something kind of weird, like the audience... Was off that, or it was a strange audience at night. In the end, he'd be like, "Well, I've been to Tom Segura. You guys have been uh, kind of weird." Yeah, and he's like, and he stopped saying that because like they didn't fucking know. They just bought a ticket to a comedy show. Like, why punish the people that did show up? You know, for not doing enough. Also, you don't have any idea whether or not they're enjoying it. As far as in magic sets, the thing I would like to tell every magician is: sometimes, as a spectator, I am just waiting for the next beat. Right. So sometimes I don't, I don't know that I'm supposed to be clapping right there, and I feel like that. There okay, maybe in people's careers there are genuine moments that are like, oh my god, like that that reveal was incredible. Ninety nine percent of the time the audience claps here or laughs or whatever, so there should be a response. Right. But it is pervasive to the point that it feels like these are built in responses based on 
like it's not really happening. Like right. you didn't really expect a big ovation there. You've just got it built into your script that like right. And sometimes you don't realize um, why, and, and it's and it's weird to comment on. Like you should find out what the the issue is. So I have kind of two stories off of what you just said. Yeah. Number one is so I've been doing this um, matrix routine that's kind of new ish that has that ult- that culminates to see through cards. And so the last two nights I did it at a magic bar. Um, oh, you did? Yeah, I did it oh, both cool. nights at magic bar. Awesome. And it played like okay. Mm-hmm. And in the first show, the first night I did two shows, and both times there's a moment at the end, four coins uh, visually appear under this card, and it kind of got nothing. Mm-hmm. And rather than go like, oh, fuck you, get you know whatever, yeah, you know, or or whatever that joke might be, right? Um, I didn't say anything, and then uh, last night, the second night before the show started. I basically, what I had not done is I put the four, co- basically what the end product is, when those four coins appear underneath that uh, card, and I went and sat in the audience, and I sat in the front row, and I sat in three different seats and looked at what it looked like when all said and done. Uh-huh. You can't really see the coins are there. Like, I was going to guess the angle probably wasn't, because in the right. close-up gallery, you've got this downward angle on right. the mat. Even in the front row, and I yeah. assumed it was similar, but in, in, in Magic Bar, you're even a little bit lower. You're almost kind of at the front row. Looking you're almost kind of looking up at that table. Yeah. So I noticed that... Uh, because I, I noticed during one show subtly that like one or two people reacted more when I lifted the card up and showed the four coins. So you showed them the card. You lifted the card up. I noticed that some people reacted a bit more after the coins had appeared, and then it was after I lifted up this this uh, this transparent card to show the four coins underneath, and I picked them up. And then I noticed a couple people reacted. And I went, "Oh shit, hold on." Yeah. So then I went to the audience and I, I looked. When I noticed that that's what people were reacting a little bit more, I went, "Oh, there might be something. They might have trouble seeing this." Because mm-hmm. um, I was I just did a check before the shows to make sure that I wasn't flashing anything from these angles. Right. Not that the final product was actually visible for the audience. What was what was your conclusion after the my conclusion was that it was fine and i'm glad i knew that happened yeah. uh i oh I, it's also I, not the end of your set oh no and yeah. that I, I i especially at magic bar since it's new as well i put it pretty early in it was like the third thing i did out of like seven things mm-hmm. so there wasn't a lot hanging on it yeah um playing very well or not um so i ultimately decided that maybe i just won't do that again in the future at magic bar yeah at, at magic bar specifically just because it's a yeah. tough thing to, or maybe there's a version of it that right you know or or something but it's but, also a lot of work to like reconfigure something like that for a very singular for a very specific setting layout yeah. yeah um so i so yeah so i think one thing is when people make that joke it's like you it's really 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 hard to get out of your head as a magician and try to see from the audience's perspective yes. what is it about what the audience just did that um, yeah, cause that like what what did they what did they just see that caused the reaction inside of them and solve that before you do this make that joke. But I also think that yeah, that's just sort of like a joke that that is a magic joke and so magicians make it even good ones. People, um, but people make it like multiple times and like I saw. Well, okay, let me say this first of all. That is sort of why I'm saying this because I feel that I'm still straddling the line often between spectator and magician because mm-hmm. I don't always know what's going on, you know. So, right. um, but also. Like I saw Simon Lovell, 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 Lovell yeah, uh, in New York City because somebody was like, "This guy is incredible," and he had the longest running like off Broadway magic show. Yes, I saw that time. show, and my my overall takeaway, right? my overall takeaway from that show was this guy is really mad that we don't like him as much as he wants us to like him. Oh, sure, because he constantly said stuff like, "Well, that was ten years of my life." Uh, and you guys have no response, and the, right. oh well. So it, it was just it was miserable. This goes back to um, something Simon Cornell has said to me a lot. I don't think you can't talk about it on the podcast, but 
uh, he talks about his distaste for any kind of self-deprecating joke and magic. And he goes, I think on his podcast, they've he's actually. Haven't they said that they, he doesn't like self-deprecation like in any form at all? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't know. I don't listen to his podcast. But, <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he talks about like he's like you don't know what the uh, the audience doesn't necessarily think that magic is stupid. They just bought a ticket to a magic yes, show. Yes, and you're contributing to it by continuing to right. set up this dynamic between performer and audience. Now, again, this is as you said before. Uh, and we're talking about Kevin Smith. This is a long time ago. But you're talking about like when you're wary of people that like have opinions that also bolster their own creative choices oh yes, yes, yes. i so this might be just that and so i'm, I'm trying to be wary of that as well and try to call myself my own bullshit but i the where i where i sort of depart from simon is i feel that i have ownership and agency over things about me that are that are true um and if mm-hmm. that comes out as in a self-deprecating way if it's actually true about me and not just a, you know I, i'll never make a joke that Oh, this is called you know Home Alone on Prom Night Shuffle because I was I went to prom. I had a date to prom. Right, right, right. right, right. Um, I make I make a joke. You fucking got it in uh, right. prom night. I, but I <laughs> there's a joke that I'll make at certain settings. I get magic because That's kind of the proper audience. It's mm. a joke about when I lost my virginity. Right. Uh, but and that's a true joke. Like so yeah, I, yeah. So yeah. I, so to some degree, I see what he's saying. He still disagrees. He doesn't think that there's really any good timing for it. I kind of depart in the sense that I feel that if it's something's true about myself, I have ownership over it and it does and then and then i think the problem with self-deprecation isn't that self-deprecation is bad or like why are you punishing the audience it's that it's thoughtless um and and i think and what you're talking about i think is i would probably describe as well-intentioned thoughtlessness Uh, yeah i okay so i think it can read as that but I also think that it does read as hostility sometimes. Oh, I think it reads as hostility. I mean, sometimes it's, it's like it feels like it is hostility. I'm saying I just think that it's like it's not necessarily meant that way all the time. Yeah. It's well intentioned, just bad and thoughtless. Yeah, and, and and my issue with it also is that I think it sets up a bad dynamic between my the expectations you have of me as an audience. It feels like I'm serving you as the magician. Like, oh, right. I'm here to make you feel better about. Right. I and, thought and I thought you were here think, to entertain me. Some people think that's true. I see a lot of magicians that kind of come at it from an angle of like, you know, I'm an artist. This is this is like my time. I you know, and respect must be paid towards me. That sounds meaner the way. I, no, I, I understand what you, you know mean. What I mean. I just think that, uh, and I kind of come at it from a bit more of like a like this is sort of a service you paid, and I'm you know. Actually, I don't disagree with the idea of being an artist and all that, um, but I disagree that me watching intently focused on what you're doing right. is not a proper response to right. what you want. Like, sometimes I'm just fascinated by what's going on, and I'd like to see what comes next. Sure. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think... Um like, so, for instance, I, I, I think I my, my best jokes, or maybe not my best, my favorite jokes for me in my act come from taking a joke that everybody kind of makes, trying to get at what is the thing that they're trying to make a joke about. And saying it a fresh way. And saying it in a fresh yeah, way. Yeah, like yeah. the whole, you know, I, the, do you want to change your mind thing. Yeah. Um, I just heard too many people say, are you happy with the mind you have? And so then I came up with another joke that played off of whatever moment they're trying to get at, you right. know? Um, and I think there's a. I don't know if you've ever if, if you ever heard me do this joke, but I kind of like it. And again, it's only a thing I can do at certain places. Like I, I couldn't really do it at the castle. Uh huh. But the joke is, is is kind of what you're getting at, and it, it's it's uh, the idea is that I comment on like I do something, and only one person laughs or only one person applauds. Yeah. And I'll kind of refer to the fact that that person, like, oh, only one person like that. That's fine, right? And then what that'll do is that'll inevitably spark a bigger reaction. 
And then instead of, you know, and then what I'll, the, the joke there is I'll say something along the lines of like, no, no, it's, I mean, it's fine. Don't react however you're going to react. I'll earn what I earn. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, and if a performer ever goes, come on, like if a performer, next time a performer says to you, come on, is that all you got? Yeah. Say back, yes. You know, or you know, shout back like, <laughs> that is all it. I have. <laughs> you know, like we, we are, we did our part. You, you said something along, along those lines. And, and, and then to, to me, that joke's kind of like, because there's nothing I hate more. I, I don't have the distaste for that that you do right now. I'm yeah. sure I'll notice it more now. My thing, and I think this is sort of a similar esque thing, is when people when performers come through the audience and and immediately as, as cats. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, um, I'm from Bumbley. <laughs> <laughs> from Bumbley, I like. That. I think that's uh, Kimmy Schmidt. I think that's what that from was Bumbley. From. <laughs> um, but like performers, performers come through the audience and they're just like immediately demanding. And you're like, come on, is that the best you can do? Oh. It's like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you like, don't like that uh, like, hand-raising gesture. The hand-raising of like, yeah, come on. <laughs> um, I yeah. can't hear you. How's everyone doing tonight? Actually, I, Good, I, fuck I, you. I always hate the, um, how you guys doing tonight? Hey, that's uh, that's not good enough. Let's try that again. Because yeah, I'm I, you. I, I always give less the second time around. <laughs> All right. Um, there's a, it's funny. I, there's a joke I've been trying to workshop, and maybe we can walk through it yes uh, um but there's a joke again that is another thing of like that's the thing a lot of people do yeah they're clearly getting at something and so well, how do you how do you turn that oh, this, into- this is how you do it you go uh you be the audience but how's everybody doing tonight Woo! all right okay let's try that again but quieter <laughs> <laughs> I, I did once see tig notaro this is on pete holmes's old um talk show mm-hmm. pete holmes show and tig notaro came out before um instead of a warm-up comic a cool down comic oh yeah yeah i like that. she came the out cool before and she just kind of got everybody to relax yeah she's like let's all just bring oh, what's the joke you're working on so the joke i'm working on is the idea so let's say um imagine there's a big crowd of people now you're the audience and mm-hmm. i would go uh um how's everybody doing tonight Woo! uh it's, no, it's just if you all shout at the same time, how how am I going to hear what, what that is? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's try let's try that again. God, how's everyone doing tonight? Just you go. Yeah, <laughs> and then I, like I, I, I do it for like seven people in a row. I, like I did that. it once at a show and it was kind of weird. Mm. Uh, and so I need to like tweak it a little bit. The thing is, you may have to do it eleven times. Like you may have to go through the valley of like it being weird. Yes, it has then, to get not funny yeah. for a while and then be kind of funny. It might again. be tough. Um. Uh. So anyway, the I'll, the reason that it struck me this thing that I'm complaining about this time around is that uh, to see like some of the be- you know <laughs> some of the best magicians in the world doing this, but also I was watching this tutorial on the uh, Ramsey cylinder. Do you know this? Uh, yeah, Quentin cylinder. Yes. Uh, Quentin Which version are you watching? Well, I was watching Paul Wilson's. Mm. On a DVD of his called Extreme Possibilities. I assume one hand is on the coins, the other hand is on your penis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the uh, the tube is around my penis. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then the little cork thing just shot the fuck out. <laughs> um, then the in the demo, it was either the demo for that or there's other card tricks on the on the DVD. Um, even in the demo, Paul Wilson, who's like one of the best close-up people I've ever seen, right. is even doing things of just like... These like oh I didn't get the reaction I'm just like just fucking do it like it's, it's- incredible I mean I, I I if I've said it once on this podcast I've said it every episode but like the extent to which and I, I'm sure I fall into this trap in ways I don't even understand or haven't noticed yet or you haven't noticed about my act yet that over time we'll learn but it's like the extent to which the the safety net of a magic trick prevents 
magicians from being forced to cut that kind of stuff out because they don't have to. Yeah. Because the magic will always get a reaction. And also the way people's memory... Corrosive, yeah. To improvement of, you know, of, of performances. I also think that's why uh, it's possible that people like Shin Lim and, um, you know, sort of like silent magicians, mm-hmm. or like I wonder if that's there's an appeal to that, in that they're presenting a thing that doesn't have a lot of the patter. Now Shin Lim does if he goes on Jimmy Fallon, he's got the same kind of things. Right. Uh, but when he does those like Americans Got Talent things, it's just like the presentation of like a sculptural piece of right. floating bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's there's a lot of it that's that's doesn't have that same rhythm of back and forth. That's fascinating. I wonder if that's a a, a, a big. I wonder if people are thinking well, like about the that like the that. Eric Chen. Like, I wonder if that's re- I, I wonder if that's registering with people that. Yeah. They like that because he's not saying dumb bullshit. That I bet not. Say, or if it's like, oh, or if it's unrelated, or if it's like subconscious and it is true, but people just don't even really notice it. Well, like the Eric Chen thing is just like very cool. Yeah. It you You're know about his ribbon act. Yes, I wonder if some of this also has to do with the fact that there's a lot of, um, you know, the difference between magic that just requires audience participation or not. Right. Um, and you know, I also think Shin Lim is appealing to people because it's just on the edge of campy like like it's just on the edge of being a little too much and um and for some people it is too much and for some people it's not but it's like right on the edge of being like is this a is this corny or is this cool right and like living in that little five percent area where it's like i'm not sure if this is like if this guy's cool or if he's really dumb. anyone copies him as i'm sure there are people out there yeah. copying him it is probably corny yeah you know what i mean it's like it is corny to 99% of people like him with his vest and his hair is a is a bold choice yeah. that must uh, like i think for a lot of performers if you even just think about going out with that and, and that's can you honestly, imagine me doing that act yeah exactly like you know what i mean the, like what the fuck would that even look like the um, that it would kind of create like butterflies in your stomach. The idea of like, okay, you're going to do a show. You're going to gel your hair up like that. You're going right. to wear this kind of outfit and you're going to like, there's going to be a tight zoom in. And you're going to wink at the camera. <laughs> By the way, is that, is that kind of Aaron, what Aaron Crow's look was like? Um, kind of his was more, a little bit more mysterious, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I never associated them being similar. They're not similar characters other than the fact they don't talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like mysterious and dangerous, and Shin Lim is like cool and and you know. I exciting. I do think that for artists, that um, there's it's useful to think about living in this in the the part of an aesthetic that is almost like too much, and that does make you like a little nervous to do in front of people. Because right. I think some people do respond to that. I mean, if he was doing the same stuff that... I mean, like, I, I met Shin Lim a couple of times before that act existed and before the style existed. Mm-hmm. And he was just a dude and, that was, like, doing close-up magic, like, mm-hmm. like any of us. Um, and he was probably, like, 18. We met at, like, an IBM convention when he was doing competitions there mm-hmm. before... Uh, and I met him one year, and he was just doing, like, a regular act. I think he made the finals and didn't place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next year, he came back with a very, very, very early version of what became a FISM act. Uh-huh. You know? Is that the Fifty Shades of Red? No, it's mm-hmm. the... Um, uh, it's, it came before that. I, he also sells that one, um, but that's the one where the with a signed card that's going every every which way. Um, oh yes, yes, it yes. Like appears like uh, like behind his back, and yeah, all that. stuff like that, and, and from the, pa- and the paper bag, inevitably bag. smokes up in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, all, all, yeah. That that no longer is a way of identifying which act he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so um, 
But he was just doing a fucking guy doing card magic. And, like, if he had still been doing that, as for as smart and clever as he is, he wouldn't be anywhere where he is today. Right, exactly. Yeah, to it's got to get that, like, extra, you know, th- you've, you're in that zone where people can make fun of you. Right. Um, and then, you know, how how many of us kind of stay too far in the, like, respectable? Sure. You know, like, I'm very competent, but, like, I'm not, you know, you can't make fun of the way I do it. Because right. it's, you know, it's just good old-fashioned, like, I'm a good student kind right. of feel. Um, like, I mean, how many things really make it into sort of a cultural, like, a household name area in any kind of art form that yeah. aren't bold in some way or another? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, you can take cheap shots at a lot of things, but, like, even the, I mean, granted, it is what it is, but even the initial uh, appeal of the Kardashians was bold in some way. It wasn't just, like... Yeah, it was still like a really weird idea that it was like this just kind of family that just sort of exists mm-hmm. to be you know sort of glamorous and trashy and you know interesting like yeah even that is is not safe really yeah that uh, not that that's necessarily the same thing but it's no like, no I mean but it's definitely not safe to be like I'm gonna have cameras exposing my life like right. constantly and that I might you know I'm sure if we had cam- most people if you had cameras following you all the time we could put together a pretty bad edit of you um so um was this act was uh was it identical to the one last year clap and cheer felt different uh oh and you had a kicker at the very end of the show that was very very good i thought that was great oh thank you um i have to kind of credit uh alex boyce for that Uh uh-huh um he just uh he i was watching his act that i came inspired to come up with what eventually what that kicker was so basically at the, at the beginning of the show people name a card 51 cards say boo on the back and then that one card tells everyone to clap and cheer mm. that they named and at the end of the show i'm rattling off like 11 cards that people have named and then the last card is their card i take it and then i take off the blindfold i hold the card as i sort of take a bow and i turn the card around and then it also says clap and cheer on mm. it and that was a little kicker and what uh where that came from was alex boyce did this show in the close-up gallery a few weeks ago. It was very good, very strong. And he had a trick in the middle of the show that was really, really strong. And the finale sort of tied that back in in a mm-hmm. sort of callback-y way. Yeah, cool. And I was like, oh, cool. And I went, you know what? As For as much as I like my act, everything just exists separately from everything else. Yeah. And I would love to tie in something, make something a bit cyclical or whatever. And I came up with the idea that that card would say clap and cheer on it. It took me a while to come. It was, in fact, it was like the Sunday before that I settled on a method. And I oh, yeah. It was great. Very effective. And yeah, I, sometimes and actually, it really hit. And also, like, the uh, the maximum possible uh, time misdirection that you could have in yes. the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, you know, like, in terms of, like, oh, that thing happened. I remember that. It, like, linked up the beginning like, and the end in a very nice way. Exactly. I, I did want to say um, that I also saw Paige Thompson. Is that right? Yeah, and, and that was, as you... That was good. Earlier, it was probably the first woman you've seen in the close gallery. Oh, it might be. Yeah, I remember I think on the it was. podcast before that I hadn't ago, seen it. You you'd never seen a woman in the close gallery. Yes, before. Um, there were two women at the castle this past week. Yes, um, which is uh, not super common. The other one conflicted with your. Yeah, so time. Joan Ducor, she was late parlors. So I never got to see her. Um, I she was also very nice saw, though to chat, chat with. Uh, I also saw shoot Ogawa in the library bar, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't think I like the library bar that much it's as tough. a venue venue it's yeah. very loud so actually maybe i would love it but it's only thursday through sunday right um normally okay the, so in december um and like from november to december everything that is just thursday to sunday is seven days like so, as is the peller as is cocktail hour close-up as it's so is crowded yeah so the way that the thing the 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 non-useful thing that i would say is like i would love library bar on a monday night right. <laughs> when it's not crowded but then they wouldn't have the capacity right. to to do that um page did uh 
uh, a very good set, but also I just want to say two particular tricks that I was very struck by. Uh, she did, um, uh, I won't say what it is, but a car, a trick that I recognized and only near the very end, I was like, Oh, this is that thing. And it's a thing that you can buy that I've been pretty skeptical, not skeptical, but just like, uh, I know the jerks wrote yes, a thing okay, about sorry, it. Take- um, I'm pretty sure Andy at the jerks wrote a thing saying like, he didn't quite understand the logic behind it. What's funny is, I mean, I don't want to delve too deep into in what she said, but we talked a little bit about that after you and I talked about it. And yeah. she actually shared some of the same hesitations before doing it that yeah. you read about. Yes. And, but, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> like right. it's still like hit very hard. Right. Um, it was no, it's a noticeably strong response from the audience. Yes. In fact, I've noticed recently after that reading about tricks and stuff this week, where I've been looking at effects uh, just because people are having sales and you're like, you look at the products sure. and stuff. And then you go to like Magic Cafe and read about it, right? Um, at least I do. And then a lot of the debate on like a place like Magic Cafe or SME Talk or whatever is a lot of like, um, well, if it's going to be this, why, like, if it's going to be this inside of an envelope, why isn't it this? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm starting to be very skeptical of those arguments. Sure. Because I'm kind of like, you just have to do it for some regular people. Because right. you guys. The thinking that you guys have is what you're saying before, like very disconnected from like what an audience might think. Because mm-hmm. uh, all those logic issues with this one trick make sense to me, but it didn't matter for that audience that we were in. Right. Like they fucking loved it, and and I did too. So yeah, and those didn't bother me at all. Those inconsistencies, which I so I'm not even consi- convinced that they are inconsistencies. Right. Um, and then the other trick she did was um, it was just a reveal a certain way that she revealed. Uh, something near the end of the show that involved like, uh, you know, some kind of transformation. And I was like, genuinely, uh, I knew what was happening, but like, it was one of the, it was visually very befuddling. Yeah. It's good. And it was a good ending. Like the just the, like your eyes are just going like, wait, what's happening. Right. And, and at the time that your eye, you're just seeing Visual information that doesn't make sense, and then by the time you start to make sense of it, it's already over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like, by the time you can... So she basically unfolds this big thing that essentially has a giant card predicted on it. Yeah. And by the time you can kind of see that it is a card being unfolded, you're like, well, wait, well, what? Yeah, yeah. It had a very interesting, like, uh, optical illusion like, feel. It's not like that torn hat thing. It's like, for the moment it goes from tissue paper to being yeah. a card, you're like, well, wait, 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 what? Yeah, it, and it, it wasn't... Um, it also felt... Uh, it didn't feel hidden in a way. Like I feel like sometimes when things are being switched or whatever, that there's I don't even know if this is a switch or how this works. But like, there's times where if you feel like, oh, I remember it kind of went out of sight for a little bit, and then it became the or you know what I mean. Like this didn't feel like it. It felt like it was just like good. My brain is like malfunctioning right now. Right. Yeah. She's and she was very nice. Uh, by the way, I would say the for everybody. Probably, I assume people listening to this will be uh, interested. You should go look the look up the 2019 winner of Best Optical Illusion mm. of the Year. I'll show it to you after this. Oh, it's please do. Amazing. Cool. It's basically you know those things where um, you're looking at a lady spinning and then you're like, oh wait, it looks like she's going the other way. Right. This is one that goes in two different directions. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, those are always weird to me. Um. Oh, one thing, if if we have uh, just a yeah, quick yeah, sure. minute before we go, because I know you have to leave soon. Uh, a couple weeks ago, whenever we recorded our last episode, you'd mentioned wanting to talk about like sort of a, a Christmas list oh, of yes. magic things. Yeah. I don't have a lot of things on my list. I've been thinking a lot about it. I don't have a lot of things. Well, I'm hard to buy for because I just buy stuff for myself. Right. As you can tell from this garage. Yes. Um. So uh, 
But I was thinking, like, have you have you heard the Jack Goldfinger? Um, yes, if you description have description of like, what a magician I, is. Like, I think Taylor Hughes said like, it. Maybe I have to say that I'm a magician, right? So because I think, if I die and they like look in my garage, right? It's like if magic became illegal and somebody oh, that's what it is. Look yeah. through your garage, would you be arrested? <laughs> and it, the answer in this room is resounding yes. I mean, by that measure, I'm also a pornographer. <laughs> um, uh, you know what I thought? Instead of thinking of things that uh, you want, have you? Are there things that you bought this year that you're like, this is a good product? Like this is a thing I liked. I've actually bought a lot of shit that I hated. Oh really? Um, this year? Oh yeah, because you were also um, gearing up for a show. Yeah, for Edinburgh, I was like, I was buying some things. Yeah. And a lot of stuff that br- I got burnt by a lot of things. Um, and now I'm 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 now I'm very wary of buying anything. Ah, okay. Um, I did, you know, just because I've been messing around with it, I bought a Venom Cube, one of those Rubik's you Cube did. things. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's good. It's really good. This is not inexpensive. No, but uh. it's 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 well made and it's good. Um, and it's not. I mean, I think other Rubik's Cube matching tricks in the past have been like three hundred dollars. Oh, and okay. This was one fifty five. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So relative, it's yeah. it was it was inexpensive. I don't um, know. If, have you? I don't know if you. You probably don't. I performed it once. Oh, you did. Uh, yeah. How'd uh, it go? Fine. I and if I, I do. Have <laughs> You're like fine. They didn't match, but <laughs> right, right. Uh, there was one thing I think I, I'm I'm trying to resolve about it. And again, I'm trying to be wary that this isn't just like me not wanting to do this, so justifying why I shouldn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. But I've been thinking. Okay, if the idea is there's this cosmic impossibility that two Rubik's cubes can ever, ever, ever in a million years match. Yeah. Right. You do that, and then all these routines kind of unfold the same way. The two Rubik's cubes match. You get rid of one of them, and then you, and in some interesting, pretty, exciting, flashy, cool way, magical way, solve one one of them, right? Right. Um, which is f- great, but I'm kind of realizing as I'm holding them, I'm like, well, if I can, if they, if I can s- just solve them in an instant, I can do anything with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so yeah. part of me, not to go back. I mean, this. Well, let's, if you think this is bullshit, just like the like the, what we just talked about a few moments ago. But part of me is kind of like, isn't doesn't that sort of dampen the first thing? If then I'm like, and also I can just do whatever I want with them. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like part of me, but also having done it, just having the match, maybe just because I'm so familiar with the with the premise of the effect. But I sort of it feels like there's a beat missing because you're just like mix, 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 show, solve, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, show that they're matched, and then you're done. And so part of me on the one hand is like, well, I kind of would lo- ideally I would love to not have to just, and now I can solve this one. Hooray! Yeah. You, uh, the thing that I thought of, which I would love for somebody to develop, is uh, have you seen the you know, you've seen the one where you smash a mini cube into chocolates? Yes. Uh, I would like to have you solve one, and the the other one was like you 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 touch it and it just falls apart into cubes, like little blocks. Mm. I would love. I just think it'd be cool to see one of the cubes just completely fall apart into like it was never a functioning cube at all. Oh, okay. I just think that'd be a cool like visual ending right. of it. Um. You know the other. The, uh, here's another one. Uh, you have a bowl full of the blocks, and you like reach into it and pull out the cube, and it's like either matching or solved already. Like it, you you imagine that you're like kind of fishing around. I guess that would just look like you're just pulling it out of there. I think Vincent Quill already kind of does something like that. Oh, does he? I think he like take he like has a big bowl of just the blocks that he like scoops oh. out and they turn into a fully functioning. Okay, cube. so my idea was just some what someone else has done. Yeah, what, what a nineteen year old kid has done. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm in touch with the nineteen year olds. Right. Um. Uh. So the thing I was gonna just say this is a uh, um. Just a deck of cards, but I wanted to say that if you're wanting to learn the truffle shuffle, 
I would add, uh, advise. Uh, go, go on. Uh, go to Redbox, your local Redbox. Find a copy of the Goonies. Pop that in. And, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, enjoy. And no cards are mixed when he does that. No. Um, it's a cut, though. It is a cut. Uh, I will say two things. One is, whatever your feelings about Daniel Madison are, you can pay $22 for to join his Patreon for a month. And in his Patreon, he has released all of his videos and books. So for $22, you can get access to his entire library, which is of varying quality, but his false in the hands riffle shuffle, which is what he calls it instead of calling it truffle shovel, it was what got me started down the road of learning the truffle shovel. Um, So I think that's a pretty good place to start. And I would also recommend a deck of cards called the Bitcoin deck of cards by Patrick Kuhn, Mm -hmm. because randomly, they are just the softest pair of cards a deck of cards for doing truffle shovel because i i was learning truffle shovel on just a bicycle deck and it was like my hands were hurting right it takes a lot of like micro strength that which you i'm Yo, sure yeah. you know and so like my hands you were like, have to relearn it for each move i had to relearn that strength for um that i had to train that muscle for the truffle shuffle uh and did you have to redo that for, do you have to like learn something else for like push through or something or um, I don't know about like, a, I mean, you have to train, yeah, train yourself, but it's like the actual physical strength to be able to do yeah. that with the truffle shuffle for those cards. Like that spring is hard. Yeah. So the Bitcoin deck is very, very easy to do that oh, cool. spring and that w- with, and then I will say for a while I was like, this is my favorite deck of cards I can do. And then when I moved on to like, I was trying to learn second deal for a little while for other things, like when I, like a, when I was trying to do a double pushover. It's not as good because the cards are like very, very malleable and, oh, they, sure. and they don't have a little, you want a little bit of stiffness so that they kind of like come together as one unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're learning trouble, it's a good place to start. Cool. So good advice. Do you have any shows coming up? Um, no, I mean, I have some private things that I'm excited about, uh, yeah. but I don't have any public shows really for the rest of the year. Well, well, let's leave this one in. Yeah, let's leave this one So last. we're at the end of the podcast, and we, what you don't realize is you heard that chainsaw at the, the or, beginning. It's not a chainsaw. It's a, like a buzzsaw. tile saw or something. Okay. You heard it at the beginning of the episode, and you don't realize that I've gone to my computer and cut out, I would say, nine other ones yes, along the so way. <laughs> Unless you just decide not to, and this stays in as well. I mean, there's, <laughs> we're all in there, and we're like, yeah. no, we did realize there were nine in there that you didn't cut out. Um. I don't have any shows this week, but Burbank, 16, Friday night. I'm not doing Magic to Doer, baby. No. Uh, I'm doing Magic. Oh, I'm sorry. I am doing Magic to Doer tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But Friday night, I'm not doing Baby. I'm going to see the premiere of Cats. Right. (laughs) So come join me. Um, And then this might be the last one of the decade. Maybe, maybe, uh, no, I was going to say maybe Monday we could try to squeeze one in if you're around. Monday's going to be tough because I'll I'll tell you afterwards. It's one of the private events I'm doing. Um, Uh, Or Sunday night or something. We can maybe figure something out. All right, cool. All right, we'll see you next time. We'll see you later. Thank you.